Hello, everyone, and welcome back to It's Super Important, the podcast about adaptations. My name is Jules. And I'm Zoe. And today we're going to be talking about Fairest, the 2006 novel by Gail Carson Levine, which is sort of a companion novel to Ella Enchanted. They're like vaguely connected. Yeah, well, they're connected in that they um, like take place in the same world. They kind of take place at the same time, almost. Yeah. Just, like and- one real crossover character. Um, yeah. Uh, so we did Ella Enchanted uh, uh, earlier this year on the podcast. Um, we hadn't done a book in a while. And also with all the writer strikes going on, there's kind of some conflicting information about like how much uh, your uh, writers like want you to be talking about uh, visual media and television shows and stuff like that right now. But we figured we might as well do a book again, just in case. Yeah. And I think... Some of it is the writers and some of it is also the actors who also are on strike saying they don't want people promoting uh, struck work. And so just to be safe, we're avoiding uh, union uh, film stuff for now. Um, Which is thematic because when we first did Ella Enchanted, we put it off because we were trying to support the HarperCollins union. And we waited after after that strike was kind of settled to do Ella Enchanted. And so now right. we're doing Ferris. Yeah. Um, so what is your history with Ferris? Because we both read Ella Enchanted as kids. Did you read Ferris around the same time? I did. I read it later for sure. I think Ella Enchanted I read when I was probably eight. Ferris I think I read a year or two later. Um, but I remember liking it. I remember not liking it as much. Uh, for reasons that I think I, I, are things I now feel differently about. Hmm. Um I I think I may still not like it quite as much, but I think my reasons why are different. And I think it's good. I I thought it was good then. I think uh, I always appreciated like the the way that Gail Carson Levine did uh, fairy tale reimaginings, and also like the the way that the romantic subplots go in her books, where like they are there, but they are not the focus. Uh, and like the characters get a romantic happy ending, but it's not really the focus of the story. I think I liked that a lot as a kid. Um, yeah. So what about you? What were your what was your relationship with this book? So I definitely read them like closer around the same time. Like I, I have like the same like the the two copies of the books that I have are like the same kind of cover style. They were probably released like in the same kind of time. Um, yeah. And uh I remember I read Ferris a lot more than I did Ellen Enchanted. I read I reread books so much as a kid. But yeah, me I too. De- I definitely reread Ferris a lot more, um, and I liked it more when I was a kid. And mm. now revisiting it, having revisited Ella Enchanted as well, um, I think Ella Enchanted is a better book. It is like better constructed. It is better written. Sometimes I still like Ferris more. I think I still like the story more. Um, and well. Uh, we're going to get into the, the book. Do we want to talk about just the plot summary first and then get into a discussion or yeah, what well, do we want to? Yeah. Let's talk about like how the premise relates to Snow White. So yes. this book takes place in Aortha, which was established in um, Ella Enchanted. It was mentioned a few times. It is where uh, Ella's friend Areta at the boarding school is from. And it is where Char spends some time like during the writing letters uh, between him and Ella portion of the book. Um, there are some interesting kind of like 
lore, like world building things established in El Enchanted about uh, Aortha that um, get like expanded upon in this book. Um, yeah. It's kind of a fun way. I feel like because El Enchanted was kind of a generic uh, European fantasy setting. Yeah. Um, but for this one, Gil Carson with you was like, I'm going to do some world building right here. I'm going to do some culture building. And it's kind of goofy at a lot of points, but I really yeah. like it. Yeah, um, it's it's a very much a, a, a created culture. It is it does not have like Aortha seems maybe less white than uh, Curia, yeah. where Ella Enchanted is set, yeah. but so, it's not very clear what um, cultures, if any, we yeah. are drawing from. There is a bit of a sort of generic medieval aesthetic in some of the costuming, which we will get to. And, yeah. uh, but everything else is like fully constructed mm. for the book. It is not real. Yeah. It is, I think, multiple times kind of established that the general kind of Aorthan populace have darker skin, um, yeah. especially in comparison to our protagonist, who is Aza, and she is the Snow White equivalent in the story. And this yeah. story very much gets into the fact that, like, the way that Snow White is, is described in the in the story with, like, hair dark as night, skin white as snow, red, bright, lips right red, would look very strange on a real person. Right. Um, no one looks like that naturally. And and that would be jarring if you yeah. saw that person. And that person would not generally be considered like the most attractive person mm -hmm. you've ever seen. You would be like, why is this person so pale? Yeah. <laughs> um, but the, the the way they kind of established that is it, it is kind of a real big contrast to the people she lives with in Aortha. There is like parts where she talks about being a kid. Um, and there was one part I noticed that kind of really like shows like I think that the Aortha in general have darker skin and that she says like, I attempted to make myself more presentable by pitting my hair up this way or that or by tying a ribbon around my neck. Once I sneaked into father's workshop and smeared wood stain on my face and arms. Um, yeah. So that's just like of, a, yeah. a weird sort of attempted brown face moment, but, yeah, but it doesn't have of, the cultural context yeah. of our world. So that's yeah. not really what that is. Yeah. <laughs> um, but not only does kind of uh, Aza have the like typical coloring of a Snow White character, but she also is, um, she's very tall. She is kind of very like largely built. She is, she talks often about like her chubby cheeks like yeah. her her wideness feeling very large in a room um and she is the adopted sister of Areta who is um Ella's friend here yeah. we really get into like Areta and like the family a lot and I really love this family it's a very I cute love them dynamic. they're so sweet they so yeah. the parents are innkeepers mm -hmm. uh they have an inn called the Featherbed and they have uh, what three biological kids yes. plus Aza? There's yeah. there's two brothers and Areta, and they they uh, Aza was was left as a baby at the feather bed by her parents who are unknown, um, and uh, the 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 way that it is described uh, is that yeah she was she was found and she kind of hung out with the brothers who were toddlers. And they were like, can we keep her? Can we keep her? Yeah. Um, and all, so like they, like it kind of opens with like the family kind of retelling the story of how they found Aza to her as like she's growing up. Um, and they're always and her mom is always like, 
um, we heard you and you were singing from the first time we heard you like you like your your baby cries were already like melodic and beautiful um, which is feeds into so Aortha is established in El Enchanted but it really gets into here a very like music and singing focused culture yeah um, in some ways that are kind of goofy at some points but in <laughs> general I really like the idea of like a culture like this where music is so like highly valued and important like, yeah me too people like when when people become very emotional about something or they really want to like emphasize what they're saying they will often sing it rather than saying it and then they uh also have sings that are like regular events in the community and then also they'll have sings for special occasions and yeah. like p- and anyone who is contributing anyone like anyone in the community or anyone involved with the the special occasion is expected to write and perform a song And this is a big thing throughout the book. It happens lots and lots of times. And it is uh, kind of uh, uh, the cause of the main plot, I would say, is this this cultural practice of sings. So like because part of the reason one thing that kind of so Aza kind of grows up feeling very like, uh, to be frank, ugly, like she is like often like looked at strangely by a lot of the guests at the inn. They are kind of put off by her. Um, and one of the big things that I feel like would definitely make me feel more insecure is the fact like she does have a very beautiful voice uh, yeah. as a singer. And one thing that people always say to her is like, if only you were beautiful, as beautiful physically as your voice, which would make me like always so insecure. Like, yeah, and that's such a fucked up thing to say to yeah. a child. I mean, to anyone, but like she's a yeah. kid and yeah. everyone's just like, you're so ugly. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine if you were beautiful, then you would, then you would be yeah. special. Then we would care. And it's like, of course she has a complex about how she looks because everyone is reinforcing that that beauty is important and that being conventionally attractive is important and like it's so it doesn't matter that she has like the best voice around and she is like the best singer in her village or whatever like that's not still not valued as much as it would be if she were beautiful and yeah she knows this she is acutely aware of this yeah and there is kind of a character who runs in parallel to that later yes. that we'll get to who is physically beautiful not a singer yeah um but so well, the first couple chapters kind of take place over a longer period of time just like kind of following Oz as she grows up and some events that kind of happen in her childhood um we're we're introduced to the fact that all the names in Aortha start and begin with the same vowel which yeah. is so stupid but I still really <laughs> like it in fact every single word in the Aorthaean language follows this pattern we mostly only get people's names because the book is written in English but yeah. it is the established lore that every single word in this language starts and ends with the same vowel so there are some silly made up names in this book they mostly work but it's definitely, yeah, just like what a goofy choice. <laughs> yeah, but I, I, I don't know. I love it because it like it's like she was like, I'm take, I'm establishing this very goofy lore thing, like cultural established thing, and I'm sticking to it no right. matter what. Um, yeah, even if great. like the names like sound nonsensical at some points, right? Um, 
like some of the names in this book, I'm going to have trouble pronouncing. And it's, but it's not like I'm going to be offensive about it because these are not real names. They are all made up. Yeah. There is one name that is a, a, a different spelling of a real mm-hmm. name. Everything, every other name is made up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, yeah. So there are kind of a couple of notable guests at the inn that during all of those growing up that kind of established some things that will come up later. One is um, the very, the, the gnome, uh, I don't, Abzam is what we'll say maybe. The gnomish language continues to also be very funny. So in Ella Enchanted, they established gnomes as like all of their <laughs> names, like ending in the capital letter instead of starting with one. That continues here. I really like the way that the gnomes culture is expanded upon in this book over Ella Enchanted. Yeah, me too. Because like in Ella Enchanted- more yeah. rich. Yeah, there's like there's a lot more to them. So there's like a kind of gnomish guy who would stay at the feather bed quite often when they were when when Azza was younger. Um and he is one of like the few people, uh maybe the only person Azza has ever met growing up who thinks that she is like traditionally beautiful because she is more beautiful in a gnomish like body standards. Um, yeah, he says like all humans are ugly to me, but you are a lot less ugly than the rest of the humans because you look more normal to my eyes. Yeah, um, and also he says that her hair is a very beautiful color. I would pronounce this word hatun. That's what uh, I thought as well. <laughs> um, um, it is a color that is not visible to human eyes. Uh, that is not red, not black. It's something else. Yeah. I mean, it can't be described to us because we only know the colors we know. Um, uh, But he says, like, to the rest of the world, her hair looks like a very, like, kind of dull black. Um, But he, but like to gnomes, it's Hattoon. Yeah. Um, And this is his favorite color. And so he's a, he's a big fan and he's never seen a human with this hair color before. Yeah. Um, If you were an adult reading this, you probably have already figured out the twist here. But as a child reading this, you likely have not. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and so it's also established that um, gnomes can see the future in some ways. Yeah. Um, this gnome certainly has that ability and seems yeah. fairly good at it. It seems yeah. like something that some of them have better than others. And um, maybe you need to train it a bit. So Aza like, gathers the nerve because she wants to ask him to look into the future. And she asks, will I ever be pretty? Um, and that's when he says, like, all oh, humans are ugly. You're less ugly than most. Um, you'll yeah. never be pretty, at least not to to me, if you become, like, stereotypically human pretty. Um, and he kind of does some looking ahead. Um, he says, in Nomic, we would... Co-, so he's made Aza. In Nomic, we would call you Maze Azak. Yeah. <laughs> very good. Um, he says, you and I will meet again. We will meet in the Gnome Caverns, which are, like, in, like, a mountain area. You will be in danger. And she asks, well, I look as I do now. And she says, he says, you will be smaller, um, which she thinks is good because like she wishes that she was smaller. Yeah. Um, and then one more thing is that what the, the future he sees your hair was black with only a little bit of a tune left, like as highlights. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of, I mean, he said, and he says like, this will come to pass unless you make a, a very strange choice at a crossroads, like one you wouldn't typically make. Yeah. Um, so and the, the whole yeah. thing is like, 
identifying when you were at a crossroads. And there are several times in this book where Aza says that she was at a crossroads and didn't know it. Uh, yeah. Like in retrospect, this was yeah. the choice that set her on the path to something. Mm -hmm. uh, and she could have done something else, but she doesn't. Yeah. And then the kind of other major uh, figure who stays at the inn when uh, she is young is the Duchess of Olixo and her her girlfriend, Day Methyl. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> sure. Uh, yeah. It says companion. Okay. Companion. Um, yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, but the Duchess is like a much higher class, wealthier person than usually stays at the inn. Um, and like she says, like, if the, if she disliked the end, she could get her license revoked by the king, which seems I'm not sure exactly how that works, but like it is a I guess a thing. Yeah. Um, and so uh Ava doesn't want to have to serve her because like she thinks that uh, uh the Duchess will find her disgusting, um, and that it will be like uh harmful to the reputation. Um, but um she does end up bringing um uh she brings up, ends up bringing the Duchess some ostumo, which is a, a drink that is established. Um, yeah. which is I, it's a great name for a for a drink. It's, it's, a, it's a great name. And it it seems sounds like, like a drink. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like a yeah. drink. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's like coffee, probably. It's something coffee adjacent, most likely, yeah. that everyone is always drinking. Yeah. <laughs> um so she uh does end up bringing the ostumo to the Duchess, and um, but she also arrives with the Featherbed's cat, who is named Emily, I M I L L I, um, and the Duchess is adores the cat. She talks about her own cats, which she is named in just like the most unoriginal way possible. I want to read this part. Please do. Um, Please do. She says, "I have ten cats. Their names are Asha, Eshe, Ishi, Osho, Ushu, Yishi, Alka, Elke." The Duchess didn't seem to have much imagination. I said the next two names in my mind as she spoke them. Ilki and Olko. Then there are my yeah. sweet kittens. It's, yeah. so it's really good. It's great. Um, it's so and, it's so yeah. fun. And like she asks Aza for like suggestions and Aza tells her their cat's name is Emily. And she says, ah, that I will name my kittens Am Amila and Emil and so on. Yeah. It's very cute. Um, so silly. Love yeah. it. Um, yeah. I, 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 yeah, I really enjoy how the, the silly linguistic rule uh, leads <laughs> to this sort of gag. Like, yeah. that, that's such a fun part of this book. Yeah. So because of the cat, the Duchess ends up quite liking Aza. And she does decide to stay again at the, um, at the, at the, in, in the future. Um, and the kind of next thing that's established is um, she was cleaning the ch a chamber in their house, in their feather bed, which was had been occupied by a Kyrian merchant, Sir Peter of Frell. Yeah. Um, so here's another little crossover. That was that's that's Ella's papa. And he um, had they they initially think that he stole this vase and then they find the shards of the vase and realize that he broke it. Mm hmm. But while she tried to cover up his crime, which is very in both of those things would be very yeah. in character for Ella's father, who kind of sucks. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but while uh, Aza is doing this, she's she needs to hiccup, um, and this is when she discovers her ability to. Um, we we call it ventriloquism. Yeah, um, but yeah. She, she invents it, ventriloquism, and she yeah. calls it elusing. Yeah, because not only does she have the ability of ventriloquism, as she discovers, but she also is a very good um, mimic. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, and so she does impressions yeah. and ventriloquism, yeah. but that's not what they call either of them. Yeah. So she is able to like basically like put a voice in someone else, like imitate their voice and make it sound like it's coming from their direction. Like as long as you don't see that they're not talking, you would think that it was them. Um, yeah. Which she has a lot of fun with. Um, she like tells Areta about it. Um, and she's Areta thinks it's so cool. And the rest of the family tries to do it. Other tries to teach them how to do it. And none of them are capable of doing it. But and like the her parents are like, we sh- you should like perform at the at the village sing. You should because this is so cool. Um, and uh, but also doesn't want to like she doesn't want the attention on herself. Um, and so then we get to uh, when they send Areta to finishing school because they want to um, like they think like if they have a more refined woman of manners at the inn it will kind of improve our reputation yeah Um, which is probably true it's a smart business move and a good idea to you know get your kid educated but of course it's real rough that this wouldn't work for Aza seemingly because she is considered so ugly and so no one even thinks of sending her to finishing school yeah yeah she says I understood why spend money on the ugly sister who stayed out of sight as much as possible why spend money on the ugly sister when no amount of finishing would alter her face um which uh is interesting because like she would not have enjoyed it because of like the way her personality is at this point, but because her personality is its way because of the way that she has been shunned. So it's kind right. of a vicious cycle of like, yeah. it's good that she wasn't the one who was sent, but she wasn't the one who was sent because of the the things that also make her wish that she wouldn't go. Right. Um, and yeah. so um, Areta, uh like sends uh Areta says goodbye to Aza. The relationship between Aza and Areta is so cute. Like they're very yeah. good sisters. I, I like a, I like the establishment of a family and siblings here because Ella was kind of so isolated in regards to her family. In comparison, like she had her mother, but her mother passed away, so Peter kind of sucked and was never there. Um all the step family was kind of horrible. Um, she really only had Mandy, but I like kind of the supportive parents and unconditional love and stuff like that. It's yeah, cool. I really like that choice, especially because in both fairy tales and fantasy, especially mm-hmm. fantasy aimed at young readers, it is so rare to have a supportive family or yeah, even a family yeah, yeah. that exists. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Cause orphans are just like, that's yeah. such an easy setup for like yeah. a young person to go do things is for them to just be an orphan Mm-hmm. And that's like uh, ready-made trauma, also. Uh, and this book mm-hmm. is like, nope, we're we're not doing that. Yeah, and especially in a Snow White adaptation, you might expect the like wicked queen stepmother character, and that character does exist, but she's not uh, like a relationship she's not, with Oz. Yes, she's not Oz's um, family member. In any in way. fact, let's get to her. Yes, um, let's. so when Oz is fifteen, it is. Uh, announced in the kingdom that their king, King Oscaro, which is just Oscar with an O at the end. Yeah. Uh, it's fine. Um, has got, it's gotten betrothed to a, a commoner from the Kyrian town of Bast, which is Kyria is where Frelis as well. Yeah. And uh, Bast is the town that Ella's alter ego was from. Yeah. At yeah, the yeah. end of Ella Enchanted. Yeah. There's a lot of fun connections, little connections and stuff. Yeah. Um, so the, the girl's name is Ivy. Um, like traditionally spelled, but Adam says it's spelled I-V-I in Aorthin. Yeah. Um, uh, she's 19. The king is 41. Yeah. yeah I'm not sure That's about that. Real sketch. Uh, uh, the like way the she, rela- yeah. 
the way the relationship is portrayed throughout the book, it does seem to be kind of genuinely loving in a lot of ways. But that that from the jump is kind of sketchy. <laughs> yeah, and especially like she is so young, so that she and Aza can have the relationship that they have. Like that is why. And the king is so old because he is the uncle of the prince character who mm. is important yeah. here. However, it still is an uncomfy age gap, and like Definitely. things that things that happen later, I feel like on this read as an adult, I was slightly more sympathetic to Ivy than I was when I read yeah. this as a kid. Only slightly, mm-hmm. but. I yeah. was, there was a little part of me that was like, this is a 19 year old. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's because Ivy is 19 and Aza starts the book as 15. She turns 16 at one point. Yeah. Um, and uh, so she's 19. She'd never visited Aortha. Um, the king had been in Bast and they met there. Um, there is a superstition in Aortha, apparently, from betrothal to wedding, alter nothing or the marriage will be cursed. And so. Ivy's not going to arrive at the castle until the day before the wedding. And the idea of alter nothing before the wedding kind of, I kind of realized later when we learned that something has been altered, that's kind of like, oh, maybe that was the thing that ruined everything. Yeah. Like, and it kind yeah. of was in the sense of like how like it affected Ivy and her, how she behaved and stuff like that. Yeah. Because um, guess what? What do weddings mean in this world? We'll get to it later. Who loves mm-hmm. weddings? We'll get to it later. <laughs> Um, mm-hmm. so, uh, Aza is kind of thinking about Ivy and kind of like imagines a connection to Ivy in her head because they're both kind of outsiders, uh, Ivy having never been to Aortha before. And like, she kind of, and she's like, in my head, I called her Ivy, not Queen Ivy. Like, um, I kind of hoped that we would be friends, even though it would never be possible. She has a parasocial relationship with Ivy at this point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which uh, if it stayed there. Yeah, sure. Um, but then the book wouldn't have happened. <laughs> right. Um, so the Duchess and her companion like stop at the feather bed on their way to the wedding. Um, but the 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 companion falls ill. Um and she can't make it. And the Duchess is like, Well, I need a companion. And she looks at Ozzy and she's like, Well, Dame Methel's dresses will probably fit you. You can, you should come with me. And Aza's like, oh God, oh God, I kind of don't want to do that because I don't want people to look at me. Yeah, um, and also the dresses are hideous. The dresses are hideous. <laughs> That's not like the big reason for not to. No, um, but it is so. a silly thing that is 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 uh, continues to come up. Oh yeah, we're going to have to get into how these costumes are described because uh, yes. I want to read some of them uh, out loud. Um, so uh, Aza, asks, uh, Aza is invited to go. Um, and Aza does want to go in the end because she wants to see the new queen. She wants to hear the singing, um, and she, like, wants to, she, like, even though she has, like, this kind of, like, introverted, like, I don't want anyone to see me thing, she does kind of, she's tempted to see, like, this kind of world that she doesn't think she'll ever be a part of at this point. Um, yeah. And... Aza, uh, Aza's family like sends her off very kindly like uh, her mom's like I your sister will want to hear about the fashions and I she looked embarrassed should like to hear about the hairstyles yeah <laughs> it's very cute very um, cute this uh kind of goodbye and the actual trip to the castle is like a page like it, she gets yeah. she, it's like next chapter she's at the castle um and uh, the wedding is like immediately like the, the pacing in this book is 
not great in a lot of points. No, it's um, very strange. Yeah. I kept thinking I was missing something because things yeah. would just like happen yeah. so quickly. And it, yeah, it's it it it's not a well paced book. I think part of it is that the story structure departs so much from the fairy tale that it is based yeah. on that which like Ella Enchanted also did, but not yeah. to this extent and not like, you know, that this is, I feel like very easily recognizable as Snow White, partly mm-hmm. because of the title, partly because of the character description. And then for a couple other reasons later on, like there's no way to, unless you're very oblivious, you're not going to miss that this is Snow White. It also does not follow the story structure of Snow White and it does not, like it it it's not plot wise very similar so what kind of stood out to me in regards to like how the fairy tales integrated as differently in ferris and in el enchanted is that we were kind of talking about for el enchanted how it really only becomes cinderella in like the third act um yeah and while for ferris it's much more like built into the story from the jump um and but also the ways that it departs from it kind of make it like the actual pacing of it very interesting because in the Snow White story, um, the a lot of the events of this book would kind of be like within the first act. But honestly, like I the pacing and that's why part of why I think it's not as like good of a book objectively as Ella Enchanted is because the pacing's not not all that great. Um Yeah, agreed. Yeah. So uh, from what Aza had heard about the the new queen, like she was uh, simply pretty but not gorgeous. Um, but when we get to the wedding, uh, the girl that Aza sees is gorgeous. Though I, I want to go back a little bit because um, the way that the castle is described is very fun. Like um, there's just birds always in the castle, just like living in the halls and stuff like that because like of the bird song and stuff. Um, immediately Aza has to change to get ready for the wedding in one of Dame Ethel's dresses. Um, and so, okay, here's where the first outfit, the first dress is described. Um, so it's, yes, it's, a, it's a gray dress. Um, Dame Ethel's hose was no better than the thick cotton stockings I'd left at home. The gray bodice was tight around my chest, although the shoulders were puffed. I struggled for air and wished I could breathe through my shoulders. <laughs> um, above the bodice, I tied on a starched white ruff that stays jabbed into my neck. I stepped into a farthingale with hoops wide enough to encircle a haystack. Over the farthingale went a green underskirt and then a pleated tan overskirt edged with fur. Um, and then the headdress, the top part was stiff, rough textured and dark gray resembling a roof shingle. A broad strip of white linen had been glued to it. I put the headpiece on, tied the linen behind my head, and pushed the ends under the ruff. I'm, like, trying to picture this dress in my head, and I'm having some trouble with it. <laughs> um, yeah, it's real rough. I have uh, have figured out what a, a farthingale is. Okay. Um, yeah. It's like a, a stiff thing that you tie around your waist that like sticks out and it your your skirt like drapes over it oh i know that uh, yeah. it's like a precursor to like a 
a bustle or a hoop skirt, but it's like okay. just the thing that sticks out from your okay. waist. Uh, yeah. So that there's that. Uh, the, yeah, this is a, a real weird uh, outfit. Yeah. Real weird bad um, outfit. And it is not at all flattering on Aza. Um, no, not even close. Um, and so the wedding, immediately the wedding, like, again, the pacing's a bit odd. Um, but we're, we are, we are established to some characters here. Uh, there is the kind of, uh, the choir master of the castle, uh, Sir Uelu is how I'll pronounce it, who kind of is the most respected person in Aortha after the king. Because, like, song yeah. is so important. Like, you might not, from our perspective, like, the choir master is not necessarily, like, a high position, but for here it is. Um, yeah. And so we meet, uh, we see uh, King Oscaro and Prince Ijori. Um, and a large black boarhound, a dog. We have a doggy. This is part of the reason yeah. I probably... Part of the reason I probably reread this book so much as a kid is because of Uchu the dog. Um, Uchu is best girl. I love her. She's excellent. Yeah. Um, and so Prince Ijori is described. He's 17, so two years older than Aza. Very handsome, very handsome, but for overlarge ears. I liked those ears. They were whimsical. They were charming. So uh, Aza already thinks he's cute. That's great. Um, yeah. And that's kind of what one part I like about Aza and Ajori's romance is the way it's kind of like instantly they have crushes on each other. Whereas for the, in, in like contrast to Ellen and Char, where it's a much more gradual kind of reveal of feelings. Um, it, yeah. it's, like, it's different, but it's also cute. Like they already like each other from the jump. Um, and so there, so Prince Ajori's father, who is Ascaro's brother, um what is dead i forget if it said exactly how um and so then the the bride queen ivy walks down the the aisle and she is much more than merely pretty she is like un un unearthly gorgeous um yeah uh oz is like it's ridiculous that i ever thought that we were like at all similar like we belong to a different species um yeah and unfortunately, it seems as though, because like they have to sing their vows, everything's sung in Aortha, but um, Ivy seems to have lost her voice before the wedding, which is a bad sign. Like she's coughing, she seems to be unable to, to speak or sing. After the wedding, they have to like all like go and meet, greet the, the bride and groom and the prince and et cetera. And Asa does not want to, she does not want to approach them at all. Um, and, uh, but the Duchess is like, no, you have to, it's polite. I, I, I brought a companion to be my companion. Um, yeah. And so, um, she meets, uh, the, she meets everyone, the king, the queen, and the prince. Um, the Uchu runs up to her, the dog likes her immediately, which is a good sign, uh, for Ajori. If, if your dog likes someone, they're probably good. <laughs> yes. Uh, but uh, Aza is clearly very nervous and Ivy is very kind to her. Like, she is like, I I'm also extremely nervous. Um, even like before this, we meet, we see that there's like a, a woman, I think Lady Arona, who was, everyone assumed that Prince, uh, King Oscaro would marry um, and who Ivy is clearly jealous of in part because she has a wonderful voice. Um, 
and it's kind of also like observing Ivy can kind of already pick up on the fact that one, she is very jealous very easily, and she's kind of like self-centered. Um yeah. So, like, um, Aza now has, like, some time to walk around the castle. Um, she, there's an incident where she goes into, the, into like, the kitchens and accidentally causes people to break stuff. Uh, much like uh, Ella, she has the character flaw of being very clumsy. <laughs> um, yes. Which is a very common to character hashtag relatable. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Though, for Ella, it's, like, just her feet that are, like, like weirdly small that like cause her to be clumsy. I'm more like understanding of it for Aza, where like she does, she is like larger and like more awkward and stuff like that. Cause like I, when we were talking about Ella Enchanted, we were talking about how like the kind of signifiers of beauty, like being in relation to goodness, were kind of problematic. And this book kind yeah. of feels like when we get to like the really central themes of this book and like things that are said, this book kind of feels like a direct response to that kind of idea that was unfortunately in El Enchanted. Um, yeah, I agree. Which I, and I which really I, like yeah. that aspect of this mm -hmm, book. For sure. Um, so like she accidentally breaks some dishes and the cook who is just called Frying Pan, that's her name, uh, is extremely mad. Uh, then she... Um, She's walking around more and she comes across um, a bunch of nobles doing the composing game, which I love. This, this game is so fun. Um, it's so good. So it's described as like um, you basically are given a book of like a very boring subject. You are picking out an extremely boring uh, like passage in the book and you are meant to like kind of compose a song, a melody using the, the that like boring segment as lyrics. Um, and she comes across that the this like group which includes the prince um and ijori was saying like i'm so bad at this game and someone was like you said you'd do better with an with a partner lady aza would you like to join us and she's like i'm not a lady uh but she doesn't actually give him the opportunity to say that um but she does end up uh being partnered with ijori um and so um there's parts where he where he where Jory was like, oh, she doesn't want to have to help rescue a hopeless case. And I was just thinking, like, oh, God, of course he doesn't want to be standing next to me. Like, I'm so hideous and stuff like that. But then, like, um, which is, like, it, it's interesting because, like, Aza has so much, like, body, like, dysmorphia and, like, hates her own body and stuff like that. That she kind of projects it onto being a factor in every single interaction with anyone she ever had. Um, yeah, and she assumes that everyone is like deeply put off by the way that she looks and that no one will ever want to associate with her for this reason. And it's really hard for her to get that people might like her. Yeah. For any reason. And, and, mm -hmm. and like, but especially appearance wise, she's like, clearly yeah. no one can even tolerate me. Yeah. Um, and so they do end up doing a, a little um, song together. The, the, like, the whole passage is like the encyclopedia of sleep. Um, yeah. And she's, uh, so, and, like, part of the whole point of the, the, the composing game is to, like, make people laugh. It's not meant to be, like, oh, the most uh, beautifully written part thing. It's, like, you need to make people laugh by the way that you, like, perform this very dull subject. Um, and they do great um, together. And um, Ijori's like, oh, we might win. I've never won before. Um, yeah. 
But as she's leaving, uh, she overhears someone say, such a voice, it's unfortunate Lady Oz's mother was a hippopotamus. Like, just fucking, Ugh. oh god, there's so many people in this book who suck. And she, like, hears people it's, laugh, and yeah. she's, like, thinking, is the, is the prince laughing too? Which is, like, an assumption that she would be reasonable to make, like, if she's hearing everyone laughing behind her. Yeah. Um, I will say, like, this is one area where I think this book is stronger than Ella Enchanted, not just yes. to be comparing all the time, but, like, how many people just kind of suck. Like, most people in this book are not actively malicious or evil in any way. Most of them kind of suck. Yeah. And that feels very realistic. It's like, yeah. there aren't just, like, three evil people, and then everyone else is, like, good. Like no, mm-hmm. most yeah, people are not great. There's far more shades of gray in like a lot of the kind of even characters who are written to be um, like villainous. Um, like even yeah. for Ivy, like she is ultimately a villainous character. But there are like parts where you like Aza feels sympathy for her and stuff like that. And as a reader, you might feel sympathy for her as well. Um, yeah. And, like, the only character in Ella Enchanted who even comes close to that, I think, is actually Olive. Like, there are a couple points where, like, you kind yeah. of feel bad for Olive, but it's much less, like, obvious. It's, like, and it's only, like, a couple times. Um, yeah. Aza runs in, um, starts doing, like, some, uh, a losing, like, she's feeling bad about herself. Um, she's, like, uh, a losing her, her family's voices. Um, and... She's, like, imagining them talking to her after she gets back. And there's a part where she <laughs> loses Arena saying, which do you fancy more, the prince or his dog? <laughs> um, uh-huh. and, then, and then she hears her brother say, no matter, does the prince fancy you? And she blushes to herself. <laughs> um, so silly. Um, but Ivy, the new queen Ivy, overhears her. Um, and I, the choir master, the uh, Wello, is, like, searching for Ivy and Ivy, like, runs off with Aza. She's like, help me, help me get away from him. Um, she's talking like, oh, I was looking for you at breakfast. And, like, Ivy clearly wanted to, like, spend time with her. Um, which, yeah. um, I, which Aza is very surprised by for good reason. Like, um, she kind of expects, she had that kind of hope before that, like, they would uh, be similar in some way. And then that was squashed. But, like, that kind of hope is back again. Um, and I think if Ivy had not discovered Aza's ability to lose, I think this would have been a very different relationship in a lot of ways. Where like, oh I for sure, would absolutely have been keeping Aza around in part to feel better about like herself, but it would yeah. not have been nearly as manipulative or like would not have had any blackmail in it. Like, I think yeah, that- it still would have been like a toxic and unbalanced friendship, but it would have yeah. been much better and very yeah. different uh ivy is running away from the choir master because she's like um uh she, the, she's trying to learn how to sing better but she can't really sing all that well um but she's like much more in- my voice is interesting much more interesting than lady arona's which is so admired one cannot praise lady arona's voice highly enough like she is so insecure Oof. so clearly insecure and envious of people um and I was uh, like, you are the queen. You are yeah. married to the king. Like, clearly you you're won. a desirable person. You're a hot commodity. You won. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, 
So, I mean, there's this whole section that is not all that important where, like, she gets stuck in a window, but it's fine. Um, <laughs> but uh, there is this kind of circus that the whole um, castle, all the visitors are going to. That it has like centaurs. We get centaurs again, and the centaurs continue to be confusing to me. I saw a text post on Tumblr that made me think even more about centaurs than I ever had before. And it was when this, a centaur is like running, like galloping, what do they do with their arms? Mm. Are they like going back and forth like a humans do? Are they like behind them like they're Naruto running? Like, <laughs> like, good question. It, no matter what you try to picture in your head, it always looks weird. Like, yeah. Even if it was mm. like they keep their arms like right by their sides, that also looks weird. It, it, oh, centaurs yeah. don't make sense. <laughs> um, no, they don't. Uh, so there's like a whole um, circus. There's like the cook who does like cool egg tricks. <laughs> and there's like centaurs who do uh, tricks. And there's one part where someone throws like an iron like ring. And it throws it too far, and it uh, heads toward the royal family. King Oscaro jumps in front of Ivy to protect her, and it bashes him in the head. Um, yeah. He is basically comatose from this. Um, which means, of course, that Ivy is immediately the queen, I guess. Um, like, she's yeah, in charge. Yeah, she becomes, like, the acting monarch. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and presumably if the king actually died, Ajori would inherit, but in, I guess, yeah. in with the with the king just sort of out of commission but still alive, Ivy becomes the ruler of this country. That she had never been to before. with no experience and no yeah. knowledge. No yeah. cultural knowledge at all. Um and uh when she's like when like uh Oscar is being taken off to like see physicians and stuff. Ivy, like, calls for Aza like she wants uh, comfort from her. Um, and so uh, Ivy, but Ivy says stuff like, what will happen to me if he dies? Who will love me now? Um, which is uh, a very odd way to be thinking when your husband has just been uh, co become comatose. Um, yeah, I hate her. Like I said, I do have some sympathy for her and certainly yeah. more than I had as a kid. Wow, she sucks. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so Ivy has decided she wants to make Aza her lady-in-waiting. Um, and when Aza had said, like, uh, I'm not even a lady, like, I, ha I have no title, and she's like, well, we'll find a way to make you a lady. We'll get you land. We'll give it to your family. Um, which is, like, an incredible opportunity, like, for her family. Um, like, they could have more yeah. land for the inn and money and stuff like that. Um, and so, uh, Aza's, like, yeah, of course. Absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah. And so, um, after the, um, after they, uh, Oscaro has been injured, Ivy says that they should cancel the thing tonight. Um, and, but, which is culturally, like, not at all what they would want. They would want to have the thing to no. sing, like, healing songs to help him. But Ivy just, like, doesn't understand, like, how important that is in their culture. And she thinks it's, like, stupid. Uh, she doesn't really understand the whole singing thing and why it's important, really. Um, and she also, like, immediately kind of flirts with Ajori, which is gross. <laughs> yeah. Like, technically, she's... she's his aunt now. Like, come on. <laughs> yeah, um, it's real weird. Yeah. Their dynamic is extremely strange and mm -hmm. icky. Yeah. 
Um, Ava has to tell the Duchess that like uh, Ivy wants to make her her lady in waiting, and the Duchess is like, "How could she make you a lady in waiting? She wants she's making me a lady as well, Your Grace." <laughs> and the Duchess is like, "Like, well, well, you're so high and mighty now, I guess." Um, and so when they when like ultimately. Um, she like I Ava comes in to see Ivy before the thing, um, and uh, she says that Ava will need to lose for her. She wants to lip sync and for Ava to give her a beautiful singing voice, um, and that is like a terrible uh, thought for Ava to have to do. Which of course it is. It's yeah. a major deception, especially in a culture where singing is so important. Like. She says, like, yeah, and like, truly, no one cares if someone, I mean, like, it is yeah. someone not being able to sing well is not great, but mm-hmm. they still care about effort. Yeah. And like, if Ivy just would sing in her own voice that is not amazing, people would forgive her because they would be like, oh, she's an outsider and she's trying. But, but she is so insecure. this whole complex. Yeah. Yeah. And all these insecurities and she must like be shown to be the best. Yeah. Um, but Oz is like, I shouldn't, I don't, I, I can't do that for you. And then Ivy is basically like black starts blackmailing her. Um <laughs> like, uh, maybe you shouldn't be a lady. Uh you're you if you wanna lose, you won't be my friend, and then you're an if you're not a friend, you're an enemy of the kingdom. And so maybe your family should have all their land taken away from them and their license. And it's like, well, I guess I have to do it now. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so um, Ivy is like trying to write a song for the for the thing. Um, and Aza convinces her like, you can do like an epistolary song. You can write a letter. Um, and the the song is very bad. The contents of the song is very bad. Um, it's awful. It's so yeah. awful. And like Ijori also reads the song, and, she, and he's like trying to make her suggestions. And I've and like Arthur's like trying to kind of gently say like, "Hey, Ivy, maybe you should change some things about this." Um, and uh, there is a moment. Uh, so wait, sorry. Um, so when uh, Arthur tells Ijori that like. Uh, Queen Ivy wants to make her a lady to be her lady in waiting. Um, Ijori says, "Like, how did you accomplish that in such a short time? Too, you do have magic, um, which just makes Aza feel worse." <laughs> um, yeah, Aza writes this really lovely song um, for, for like the healing thing for the king. Um, I think I want to read it. Um, in a mantra at the Featherbed Inn where I once lived, my mother rakes up the fire. My father wakes the cook who cannot cook today. Cream curdles, milk sours, eggs break, onions rot. My father and mother put down their forks. In his castle, the king swallows not but air. His life has narrowed, but his thread winds on. Should the king come to Amanta, eyes wide, legs hale, mouth full of words. Cakes would bake themselves, mares shoe themselves, roads pave themselves. My mother would don her damask gown and I would sing until the sun cheered and the inn dissolved in music. It's lovely. Um, it's so lovely. But it does kind of get into what, another kind of slight problem with this book where the songs, the, like the like, word-wise, are very fun. I, I cannot 
like picture in my head. I cannot imagine to myself what these songs sound like. Um, no, nor I. Which is unfortunate because like, like that's just something that's hard to convey in a, a like written word. How was how music sounds? Um, yeah, and so a lot, and because of that, a lot of the songs just kind of read like poems. Um, which is fine, but like it is unfortunate because like the idea of music and singing is so important to like the the culture and like to the story and stuff like that, and just the fact that like it doesn't you can't really convey exactly what the music sounds like through writing is a little bit sad. Um, honestly, but this makes me want like a movie or something adaptation of this even more now because I want to hear what these songs would be. Um, yeah, same. Uh, but this book was never as popular as Ella Enchanted, so that was probably never going to happen. Um, yeah. This is the one that would be a musical, not Ella Enchanted. Um, right. This would make so much sense as an original mm-hmm. musical. Honestly, a stage musical of this would be really cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, while she's like writing the song in uh, Ivy's chambers, she looks on Ivy's desk and there is a mirror. And when she looks into the mirror, at first she sees her normal face, and then it morphs and transforms into a beautiful version of herself. Like, it's still recognizably her and, like, the kind of, like, her eyes and stuff like that, but she is, like, traditionally gorgeous in this reflection. Um, And then it morphs back. She, like, looks at the mirror, and, like, there's a word carved into it, Skolni. Um... And so here is the, the magic mirror of the Snow White. Like, here's more Snow White coming yes. into here. Um, and so the idea of, like, who's the fairest of them all really comes in here as well. Like, um, yeah, the, the idea of, like, the evil queen in the original story being, like, so obsessed with being the most beautiful. Um, and at least at first, Aza is not at all more traditionally beautiful than her. Um, so, yeah. And Aza spends a good chunk of the, of the next part of this book looking for beauty spells. Yeah, there's a part where she Going. casts one on herself and it's upsetting. It's a really weird it's a really hard to read segment, but we'll we'll, yeah. we'll get to it. I Nolan, why did Nolan have to point that out to you? Because now I get I self-conscious every time I think I start to say it. Uh, it's just your catchphrase now, Jules. I guess um so, oh my god, Ivy's, Ivy's song is so bad. I want to read it, too. <laughs> Please do. Um, so, but also, Aza says that she gave Ivy uh, her mother's singing voice, which is fun, uh, but also sad. Yeah. Um, but so the, the song goes, Dear Oscaro, I miss you dreadfully, more dreadfully even than your head must hurt. I have not yet stopped weeping. I hope my singing pleases you. I am arrayed in a yellow gown, yellow for sadness. If I look well, it is for you. The gown's pretty train stands for my grief, which drags behind me wherever I go. I will rule Aortha for you, so you must not worry. I will be a powerful queen. I shall expect obedience, loyalty, and respect from my subjects. The hallmarks of my rule will be a firm hand and a stern heart. I will rely on the governing principles of my native Kyria. They say this song will make you better. I will make Aortha better as well. I live for your awakening, your affectionate wife and ruler of Aortha, Queen Ivy. She is just awful. She is so shallow and she's so horrible. Yeah. And she's, she, she, she just, wow. Yeah. 
especially when you get into the idea of like Aortha being kind of coded as like a like a more foreign country. Uh, like, I mean, for the, from because of the movie, I kind of picture people in Aortha being South Asian just because that's how they cast Areta in the movie. Um, but that's not necessarily right. it, but it is implied to be like some sort of non-European culture um, and ethnicity. Yeah. Um. So what you get into her yeah, saying, like, so- yeah. when you get her saying, like, I will rely on the governing principles of my native Kyria is um not great. <laughs> no, it's super not great. Yeah. Um and yeah. yeah, like as she's singing, like the people watching are like getting less and less happy with the song. Um and, Yeah, shocker. Uh, and afterwards Ivy's like, they should have loved my song. They shouldn't have hated it. I said I miss Oscaro. <laughs> um and then she's like mad at Ajori and Aza, like, why did you let me say the wrong things? And she had been before, like not <laughs> listening to them to change it. <laughs> Um, yeah, well, because it's it's such a classic, like mm-hmm. insecure manipulator move to to be like, well, everything is everyone else's fault. Like, yeah, I never could do anything wrong ever, and mm-hmm. if I ever make a misstep, it's the fault of someone else. She mm-hmm. just deflects blame for everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, so after yeah. Ivy like has a temper tantrum and storms off. Um, Ijori goes to see, uh, his uncle and uh, he invites Asa to come with him. Um, she's talking about, telling her, like, about the land that is being given to her family. Um, and he's, like, seems kind of, uh, like, kind of cold to her at first. Because, uh, he kind of thinks that, uh, first of all, he doesn't like Ivy now. And because he doesn't like Ivy, uh, it's kind of a little bit logical that he wouldn't ha- be wary about Aza because, like, Ivy seems to like her so much. Um, but um, Ijori and Aza do start to, ha- like, talk and get along. He's and, uh, he, and he says, like, oh, your inn sounds wonderful from the song I'd love to visit one day. Um, and so... Uh, so they, they are starting to get along at this point. He wants her to call yeah. him just Ajori, not Prince Ajori. And she, she finds that hard, but she does it. So the next day, um, Aza writes a letter to her family telling her about the fact that she's a lady of waiting now. Um, there's a part that I really like uh, where she says, although I wanted to tell them about Ajori, there was little to tell. He was handsome and charming and good natured. He loved his dog and distrusted me. Um <laughs> There's, a, yeah. there's another dress of Daymethyls that's described. The one I selected was patterned in brick red and purple and green and pale blue. Two uh, of those colors. Any two of those colors could have been okay, but all of yeah, them? All of absolutely them. not. Horrendous. No so yeah. bad. Um, uh, also, bids goodbye to the Duchess, who uh, is going to deliver the letter, um, and then goes to see Ivy, who... Um, Says at first has says some kind of nice thing. She's like says that she went to visit the king and is very happy because he had a peaceful night. Um, and then also says like uh, I'm sorry for being so mad at you last night um, because you gave me a beautiful voice and all I did was uh, afterwards was to just get mad at you. Um, and then after that she's like I want to take you to the tailor and we're gonna get you like some actual good clothes because uh, Ivy loves fashion. She like wants to find other like clothes that'll flatter her. Um, 
She wants to hold a, like a Kyrian sort of ball, which um, is when we start getting into more of Ivy going back to how she usually is, um, where she uh, yeah, is going her to colonizer say, like, aspirations. Yep. Um, and here she gets to <laughs> her start dictatorial saying, like, colonizer aspirations. Yeah. Um, she starts saying, like, Asa, what do you what do you think of Ajori? Do you think he's handsome? I don't like his ears. And Asa's like, um, ma'am. Uh-huh. <laughs> and um, this is the first time Ivy mentions her advisor. Um, she says, like, I want the king to live, but I have an advisor, and he tells me if the king does die, I need to like uh still be in power. Um, and that uh so getting married to Ajori would be like a, a, a thing that she should do. Um, she's walking with Ivy and they pass by just like a serving maid and Ivy's like saying to Aza like do you think she's prettier than me do you think she has fairer skin than me like do you think she has a better complexion and it's like um, Aza's actively like worried for the maid because she's worried Ivy will like punish her for being prettier um, but she also says I found pity mixing with my fear of Ivy yes she was ruthless but she was also fretful and discordant how did she endure herself um, which is like kind of the big summary of Ivy, to be honest. Yeah, uh, she is truly. so insecure. Um, they pass by the choir master, who's like, "Oh, you two should sing a you duet. You both have such lovely voices. You should sing a duet." And I was like, "I can't fucking do that with my voice." But Ivy's like, "Oh yeah, sure, we'll do that." <laughs> it's like I can't yeah. do that. Um. They go to the tailor, um, and the tailor measures her, and Aza is just extremely embarrassed the entire time, because, like, the tailor is, the tailor is clearly, like, um, the, the tailor says something like, Milady, you are vast, which is <laughs> not good. Not a great thing to say. No. Um, but she also says, like, Lady Aza, it's not very interesting to be a seamstress, but you present a challenge to me, um, which is great. Great. Yeah. For Aza will make her feel so um, comfortable in her own skin for you to say that. (laughs) Um, Yeah, exactly. um, But when they're like picking out like uh, dress designs and stuff for her, it's very clear like Aza wants outfits that like try to be like kind of modest and try to not make herself stand out. Um, Yeah. And the the, the tailor is like, we can find we can I can make dresses that are much more flattering on you than like the stuff that you are wearing now. Um, Which Aza, most things would be, yeah, yeah those are but, hideous. Like, even, but like even especially for Aza, where it's like I kind of compare it to like, um, you know how they're like oh, so often like plus size clothing is just so ugly. <laughs> like, yeah, a lot of it's like, so uh, bad. Yeah, yeah, there's like such like like weird patterns and stuff like that and a lot of it's just very like weird and bad looking and you you have to kind of really search when you're a plus size person um to actually find like something that is fun and like that like is really like seems like something you would want to wear and like cute um because like when you kind of just are looking in like the basic kind of shops that a lot of people might go to um it's all not good and so that's kind of what it reminds me of is like uh uh, this this tailor being like, we're gonna make you some cute clothes. <laughs> um, yeah, which is nice in a yeah. way. It's like Aza has never, and and she is described as being a bigger person, and like, yeah. you know, I'm sure 
for multiple reasons, has not had clothes that were really, like, made her feel good. Yeah. 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 Um, and so Aza heads off to the library because she wants to look into this magic mirror that she saw. Um, and the librarian, uh, there's another part in here where, like, she is singing back and forth with uh, the like, librarian. There's a lot of very cute, like, little sections where people are, like, singing back and forth to each other. It's nice. Um, like, again, like, the singing is kind of goofy, but I still really like it. Um, yeah. And so this is where she finds a book about that mentions the math- magic mirror. Um, and what we learn from this book is that it was made by da 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 Lucinda. <laughs> Everyone's of favorite. Of course it fucking was. Yeah. Often dispensed by her as a wedding gift. Hmm. Uh, uh, and so it says that the the mirror has has like the power to make you beautiful, as well as other appearancing appearance operate altering properties in a co- conjunction with magic potions. Um, and so uh, he may alter himself. Who he may always alter whomever he reflects, but he may not show himself and may only speak to those who have drunk one of his potions. So the potions are like a kind of like separate thing that uh, is kind of interesting, but like it's not at all from the original story. It's just like, well, you have to drink a potion to be beautiful as well. Um, yeah, because of course you do. But this and is one of which Oz- is yeah. how it is in reality. Is like yeah. you know, women are expected to do all sorts of things to their appearances. Yeah, to, yeah. yeah, to be be beautiful. Yeah. Um, but yeah. this is extreme. Yeah. And so this is what Aza kind of realizes if this was a wedding gift, um, maybe like Ivy being described as merely pretty before was like actually how she was. And like she, yeah. this, she used this mirror to make herself like um, uncommonly gorgeous, like model pretty. Um, yeah. Which means that King Oscaro did just fall for some normal girl somewhere, which yeah, is yeah. kind of cute. Yeah, uh, but Ivy is also like clearly a horrible manipulator. Yeah, she's also um, nineteen and he's forty-one or whatever. And, she, so. and also she's nineteen and he's forty-some, so it's like just icky. Like King Oscaro generally seems sweet in this book, but it's like of course he does through the eyes of our fifteen-year-old narrator. Like, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, especially compared to Ivy, who and he did. She didn't know Oscar right. for very long. <laughs> Yeah, and she's, you know, uh, one of his citizens in a country that has great respect for their monarch and mm-hmm. great affection for their monarch. And, like, yeah, Ivy is right there manipulating her. She's She yeah. doesn't witness the king doing anything bad, but it's yeah. like, you know, from our eyes, yeah. it's like he still is a king and he yeah. still is a man in his 40s who got with a 19-year-old, which I don't think anyone over the age of 21 should be getting with a 19-year-old. Yeah, maybe not. (laughs) Uh, Maybe not. Yeah. (laughs) Ivy and Asa go to see the king, um, and he is still, like, completely unconscious. Um, Ivy starts talking to him and telling him about, like, uh, going to the tailor and about having gone to the council session um and she was like oh the council was so dull all they talked about were politics so i dissolved the council and everyone in the room's like oh, excuse me <laughs> um yeah there's a there's a part where we actually learn some political background of the which i found was interesting where all the talks about how like 
there was always a council of five and there had been basically like a civil war fought to have always one of the members of the council be a commoner, uh, which is an interesting kind of uh, back background kind of cultural thing um, that I liked. I thought that was interesting. Um, yeah. And she's like, oh, don't worry. Like uh, powerful, powerful queens don't need like uh, parliaments. I think I should just be a dictator. It'll be fine. <laughs> um yeah of course and again she's like my advisor will will tell me it's all gonna be okay uh, 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 Aza says i returned to the window half wanting to assassinate her for the good of aortha <laughs> jeez <laughs> okay i mean you're not wrong uh no but um at night um uh Aza runs into ijori and uchu the doggy um they go out into like the gardens and like to look at the castle by night um they are they really are starting to get along like they're they're like walking around in like this moon these moonlit grounds of the castle um and he calls her Ava his friend wow i never would have expected him to want to be a be my friend um and he's saying how like i he's saying that like he doesn't really have friends either and so this is kind of new for both of them. Uh, and so um, also Ijori talks about um, a time when he uh, and his uncle uh, encountered ogres because he's talking about the times he's traveled with his uncle. And um, he because we learned in Ella Enchanted that like the ogres are very have like this magical persuasion ability. Um, and yeah. so he says that an ogreist like convinced him that his father was alive um, and that his uncle saved him. And um, sometimes he still has nightmares and hears the ogre's voice and he believes her again that his father's still alive and he wakes up and remembers that he's not, which is sad. That's um, so sad. That's so fucked. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, Ajori's asking Aza like what she thinks of um, Ivy. Uh, and she says, uh, she's kind of not a, Good, maybe inexperienced um and he clearly is like very upset with her um yeah he says you're too kind to despise anyone she thinks such a compliment i dis- i despised ivy not entirely sometimes yeah. i had sympathy for her uh and so which is kind uh, of how i feel about ivy too yeah yeah <laughs> yeah um and uh, he, she's like telling him about the feather bed a little bit and what she's talking about. When Ajori says about Ivy, like at least like she still seems to care about the king. At least she has as well, at least she has a very beautiful voice. Which of course makes Arthur go, oh no. <laughs> um, yep. We have some more time going on. Uh, like you say, like a week passes. Um, and she gets letters from she continues to have to allude for Ivy at these kind of regular kind of things and times when she has to sing. Um, she gets letters from Areta and from her family. Areta is still at the finishing school. Um, and so uh, Areta is just like asking, uh, asking questions. And she says like, I knew that someday someone would truly see you for like the wonderful person you are. Um, and that like uh, the queen must have like, very a good heart because she saw you for who you really are and it's and i was just thinking like oh man i wish that was true um 
And the letter from her parents contains a bit more interesting information, which is where she's, where her mom says that, or is it her dad at that point? No, it's her mom. Uh, her mom says that there was something they hadn't ever told Aza about, which is that the, like, the, the blankets that she was left in when they were a baby, when she was a baby, were, like, threaded with gold. And so she thinks yeah. that they've always thought that Aza was, like, highborn in some way. Um, and, like, of nobility of some sort. Like, the blankets were velvet. Um, and to Aza, and, this is just more confirmation that she was unwanted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, they, they were rich enough to keep her. Um, and they didn't. They didn't yeah. want to. Um, yeah. And so uh, her parents are like... So just remember, like, if, like, these people, these rich people get down on you, remember, you might be their superior, which is a good sentiment, but I'm not sure it's, like, the best advice. Um, yeah, it certainly is not very helpful for Aza, but yeah, her parents yeah. are trying. Yeah, yeah. Which is sweet of them. Like, yeah. they're, they're sweet people. They're good parents. They're valid. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, she's with Ivy again. Ivy's talking about how, like, she doesn't want to send help for a drought in the South. Um, and she's like, oh, the minor lords will help them. And it's like, well, who's going to send the minor lord stuff? Um, yeah. And also, like, bold of you to assume that they will help their people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, Ivy starts keeping guards around her. Um, and she's clearly, like, flirting with one of the guards. Uh, Uju, who is also like in his forties, apparently, but um, yeah. so she ha she has a type clearly. <laughs> um, her type seems to be any man who looks at her, though. Yeah, and is also um, uh, maybe a dilf of some sort. <laughs> yeah, um, but also a jory. So yeah, yeah. But she's not, she's not really that into a jory, like physically. Like she kind of says that, right? Um, she's yeah. It's just opportunism there, pretty yeah, much. Yeah. Part of me wonders if Ijori is conventionally attractive at all, or if he just is attractive to Aza. I think he's kind of average, probably. Like, yeah. That's kind of what I hope. Yeah. Um, they mentioned, like, the big ears, which, like, are, like, ki like, a thing where it's, like, I guess that's, like, a thing that would maybe make him unconventionally attractive, but also I can't, like, really visualize in my mind how it would. Um... Like, I would need right. to, like, actually see, like, a picture of how, like, he was imagined to be in order to fully, like, get it, if, like, he is. But, like, it is kind of, like, implied in the book that, like, he's he's fine, but he's not, like, a very handsome man. Um, yeah. There really starts to be, like, very clear signs of rebellion within the castle that, like, people do not like Ivy. Like, uh, she is served, um, like like waste food uh like potato peelings and like garbage um and because of this the, the cook is sent to the dungeons as well as uh -huh. um the woman that uh everyone thought would marry king oscaro because she because she laughed when she saw the when she saw the the um garbage on her plate um ivy is a tyrant um yep and Poor so, frying pan, yeah. cook. Yeah, she's she's great. Um, so uh, Aza at night goes to the library and looks for a beauty spell. She finds one that like doesn't require like any other materials, and that she can that she can do just there. It's in like a language she doesn't know, but that's fine. Um, and so she recites the spell, and she turns into stone. <laughs> 
Um, yep. And the way that it's described is like rough because like she is completely aware she just cannot move. Um, and she's like, oh God, I've turned into a statue. This is, I'm doomed. And it's like, I would also hate to be like that. That seems horrible. Um, yeah, same. She says like, uh, her right thumb broke off and falls to the ground. <laughs> um, like that's bros. Um, but she also thinks like, yeah. I wondered if I was a beautiful statue or an ugly one. Um, if I was beautiful, uh, no one would know what had become of me because no one would recognize me. <laughs> um, but luckily in the morning, uh, the spell wears off. She is back to normal, except for her pinky toe, which still remains marble. Um, which yeah. I would hate that because that's just like having a pebble in your shoe for your life. Like you cannot change yeah. it. Yeah. That seems No, that sounds bad. like hell. Ava uh, just spends more time at the castle it's kind of not exactly clear how much time passes um but Arthur receives another letter from her home at this point news has really traveled to the rest of the kingdom like what ivy is doing on the throne and the uh her father is saying like um Kind of people in the village are like coming to them, like asking them, "Hey, can you tell Aza to ask Ivy to fucking stop?" Uh, yeah. And, um, there were people who were saying, "Like, I'm sorry if I was ever unpleasant to Aza," which, like, cool. Should have said that to her face, and also not before she potentially had power to help you in any way. Truly. Uh, yeah. Um. So. Like more time passes. Um, Ijori and Aza start spending more time together. They're like they often like walk around a lot each other. They go walk around in the castle and see stuff. Like go to the armory, etc. Ajori uh, is like complimenting her her voice, and he was said he was talking to the choir master, um, who asked where he would stand if the kingdom like revolted against Ivy, um, and that like the council is uh, meeting in secret at some points. Um, and um, he says, uh, Ajori says, as long as Oscaro is still alive, I will defend the queen. And if he dies, uh, he says, Uchu would be a better queen than Ivy. I'd oppose her. Um, yeah. And he asks Aza and she says, I'd oppose her too. And um, he says, I told Uello, I hope that you would say that. Um, and it seems like Uello had thought that she would support Ivy. Um, because Adori knows her, and she know, he knows that she she's a good person, um, and uh, but other people don't, and it seems very strange to them that um, Aza has rose in power so quickly to become a lady. Um, it seems suspicious, yeah. um, which kind of makes sense, except maybe just ask her about it. But also, Aza can't tell them, so yeah, um, yeah. Vision is kind rough. of wanted, but it's taken too far. Um, yeah. Aza's dresses are apparently finally ready, um, but she goes and they are all extremely ugly. Um, and which is clearly an act of rebellion from the tailors, because like they know that Ivy that she's Ivy's uh lady in waiting and they want to do something bad to Ivy, and so they like make all of her dresses her horrible. And Aza understandably like runs out crying. Um and yeah. Itori finds her and he's like What's wrong, dear heart, don't cry, and he kisses her. Um, which again is a much more like 
it's it's it very much is a very different relationship from Ella and Char in Ella Enchanted, which I appreciate. Like it, we are like yeah. a little like about halfway through the book, and like they are already like confirming their feelings for each other. And Aza yeah. is like so like taken aback by this, but also like it makes her so happy. Of course it does. Um, because she she yeah. really likes him, but also she did not expect anyone to ever want to kiss her. Um Especially not like this guy shit she likes so much. Um, the way yeah. that they write this kiss is the way that Gil Carson Levine writes this kiss is so like cute to me. Uh, like this is it. Uh, I thought I'd grow old and die without ever a kiss. A melody bloomed in my mind, high and clear and joyous. He was kissing me. He drew away, a little away, and smoothed the hair from my face. He murmured, "You smell like a meadow." I touched his cheek. I hummed the melody my mind was singing. He smiled and listened. After a while, I stopped humming, but the tune continued in my mind. Why are you crying? It doesn't matter anymore. Uh, it's just, yeah. I, I think she really writes like these, like cute moments of like love very well. Like we were also talking about like um, the, the, the kiss between Ella and Char at like the end of, um, end of Ella Enchanted where they're talking, where she's like, I'm not, I, I'm now old enough to get married and like. It's stuff yeah. like that. Like, I think she's very good yeah. at like, little moments of like sweetness and relationships. Um, I agree. I think one reason why I still like this book a little bit less is that this romance is not the it's not the the romantic tropes that I personally enjoy the most. Yeah, yeah. But it's so right for the characters that I find it really sweet. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, their dynamic with each other is really sweet and endearing and it makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. And so I definitely buy into their romance, even though it is, like, much faster and very different. Yeah, because uh, yeah, From, Ella like, and Char, what I generally yeah. am into. Ella and Char have, like, a very, like, slow burn sort of friends to lovers sort of thing. Whereas this is more of like a, this is, it, this is different. This is much more of like, we instantly have, already have crushes on each other, but like, uh, Ava doesn't think her feeling are, are requited, like uh, one-sided unrequited love, stuff like that. Um, and Yeah, it, but it's, it's more of a mutual yeah. pining thing, but yeah, not even yeah. for very long. Cause yeah, it's, yeah. yeah, as we said, like halfway through the book that we get this kiss. Yeah. Um, so, but also earlier in the book, um, uh, Areda, ha- it was established. Areda has a saying that she says whenever like people are cruel to Aza, which is like a a dragon can't judge Ostumo. Basically saying like um, they don't like some like they, if, if like a dragon does not conceptually understand what a uh, what a drink of coffee basically is. Like he doesn't know, right. he hasn't learned anything about what that is, and so he can't judge. And so here Aza says a prince could judge Ostumo, which is cute. Yeah. Uh, uh, Aza um, is given like plus 10 uh, charisma from this kiss and she goes back to the tailors. Um, and she uses, uh, Aza uses the intimidation skill, rolls for intimidation, gets a nat 20. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and um, she manages to get the, like, she's kind of like intimidating and talking to the tailors, like, um, like you will, you will make me like the dresses that we I wanted. Um, and uh, what she's saying like is pretty true. Like it is kind of like she is like intimidating them, saying like I'm the queen's favorite and you've done this to me. Um, which, but she's also saying like 
the queen, if the queen, how could you not think the queen would find out about this and that she would not be unhappy about it and that she will imprison you like she's just been imprisoning like the cook and et cetera. Um, which is right. Like, she's right. like, I get um, that you want to get back at the queen, but this will come back to bite you. Like it, yeah. it would have gotten you much worse. Yeah. Um, and so uh, she is able to like convince the tailors to um, make finish her dresses before the thing. So like everyone is like writing songs in uh, like Ivy's chambers. She's like with Ivy and Dejori. Um and like um, she's like try. She's like I- all I want is to like smile at Dejori and sit with him, but we can't do it in front of Ivy. Um, and she like writes a little song about beauty um, and about how like other people can find beauty in like um like small things and not traditionally beautiful things like a like a rock or like a like a like a something like dirt or whatever but she can only find beauty in like the actual things that she thinks are beautiful Uh, but then she ends it by saying that like she no longer like she it's like i other people are able to love other like smaller things but i love the bright blue sky um, and then she says, I no longer wanted the bright blue sky so much. I had something better. Um, yeah. Uh, Ivy does leave with, like, the guard that she's flirting with. Um, uh, Ivy and Jory have a little moment again where they're, like, singing. Um, they don't end up kissing, but she wants it. Um, and um, there was uh, – we missed the part where, like, a bird poops on Ivy. <laughs> um Yeah, and then Ivy decides to ban birds from the palace. Yeah, like, because this is when um, uh, Aza wakes up and she notices, like, there are no birds singing. Um, And so the birds have been all kicked out of the palace. Aza does manage to go to get uh, her her dresses. um, And uh, Ivy is like, we're going to have a little fashion show. And she wants Aza to show her all of her new dresses and like ivy's like i want to give you some of my jewelry because i know what would look good on you these are the moments where like ivy's kind of okay because like yeah in in one sense it's like she wouldn't be doing this if she thought that anything she did here would make i like aza prettier than her uh like in general like she wouldn't be like dressing her up if she thought that ultimately like the stuff that she did would make her like a fabulous beauty that would outshine her but she's like, uh, I, but like, she is kind of like dressing her up and like wanting her to have like nice things and stuff. So it's, it's, it's a bit, um, it's a bit conflicting, but like Ivy's a complicated character. Um, yeah. And so, um, Aza is trying on her dresses, um, and she looks at herself in the mirror and it's, she looks at herself uh, not in the the skull knee mirror that would have made her look traditionally beautiful, but she looks in the real mirror, um, and she says, "Like I was still too white and too red and too black, but I appeared less bulky. The crinkles of the crepe ran on the bias. The result was a spiral that made my waist slimmer and my hips narrower. The tailor was a master, um, and that like the the cap that Ivy gives her." Um, the effect was to make my face less round and to suggest that somewhere under a pound of fleshy cheeks I had cheekbones. Ivy was also a master. Um, which, uh, it's, 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 it's definitely, like, it's, it's clothes that are much more flattering on her. Like, yeah. Uh, and she's, like, all the dresses, like, actually fit perfectly. Um, which is, which is nice. Um, 
Uh, they go to this thing. Um, they're both wearing blue, but Ajori is like, blue becomes you, dot, dot, dot. Both. <laughs> um, and so Ivy can, is kind of starting to suspect that something's going on between them. Um, and so, um, yeah, they have this like healing thing. Uh, not not necessarily a healing thing, but like an, uh, just like another thing. Um, but uh, during Ivy's song, um, a uh, serving girl bumps into her, um, and Ivy yells at the at the girl as Aza is still doing the 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 singing for the lip syncing, wow. and so it is very obvious that some that Ivy is lip syncing. Um, and Aza's immediately like she's like to Jory, like I didn't want to. She made me do it. Um, like even though it's not immediately obvious that like Aza was the one doing this, like uh, yeah. because it's like ventriloquism. Um, and Ivy like kind of realizes, oh, everyone just realized what I was doing. Like oh, I just hate things. There are no more things. There's we're not doing things anymore. Um, and so she gets she's like yelling at Aza. And um, all the like the the like higher ups in the castle are like meeting, and they're talking about um, they're talking about like what actually just happened. And so, um, Uelu, uh, the choir master, uh, uh, kind of reveals that he's had some suspicions about Aza. Like this is why he was thinking that Aza would have sided with Ivy and etc. Because uh, as like a choir master, he kind of would know like more about singing he could probably tell that like ivy was not actually like expelling air as she was singing you know like he, he kind of yeah. knew something was going on um and so uh when they confront ivy about it um ivy's like but aza blackmailed me she she like um said that um she like she forced me to do it uh aza's like if ivy didn't do it um uh well, because Aza tells them, like, she threatened to, like, close the families in. She threatened to imprison me. And But Ivy's like, she said that she'd sing for me if I made her my lady-in-waiting. Um, and Aza's like, they're probably more likely to believe her because that kind of makes more sense. Um, Ijori yeah. is uh, disappointed. He's upset. Uh, and he's, like, asking her, like, Aza, how do you do this? Uh, please don't lie to me. Uh, which is sad. Um... And so Aza shows them the illusing. Again, no one else is able to do it. Uchu, like the doggy, keeps staying by her, and she's like, a dog can judge a stumo. Um, yeah. And, but this is more con- confirmation to Uelu that she is built differently than a normal human, uh, that like her her like vocal cords are different. Um, and Uelu proposits the theory that she has ogre blood. Um and so, um, because of that, like, part of the, what that would mean was made that, like, her singing has not only, like, beautiful, but has, like, a persuasive quality, um, and, yeah. like, manipulative quality, which would also feed into, like, her having manipulated Ivy. And, um, immediately this is upsetting for Jory because, like, he has this like, terrible experience of ogres, and he's, like, he's, like, I kissed you, I, I shouldn't have do this, I can't believe, I can't believe I did that. Um, and Aza's also like, I wish you hadn't kissed me, someone as faceless as you. Um, which is good. She should have said that. She should say yeah. that. Love um, her. 
this is where we get this thing where everyone is racist against ogres. And yeah. ultimately, Uelu is wrong and is shown to be wrong to have yeah. been this way about Aza, but not because of the ogre thing. Yeah. It is still in universe fine to hate ogres simply for existing. Yeah. And this never is questioned. And I still don't love that. That was like the only choice that the Ella Enchanted movie made that I thought was valid was like making none of the fantasy creatures inherently evil. In yeah. both books, ogres are bad. Unequivocally. Yeah. 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 Um, which I mean, but like I'm kind of used to it in fantasy at this point where like Lord of the Rings also if ogres bad equal bad like it's it's right. not great but it is kind yeah. of a fantasy trope that like I'm not like blaming anyone for like falling into at this point unless like you're actually right. I'm used like, to it yeah unless you're like actively yeah. thinking like I want to do a twist on this and make ogres not like like this like you kind of can fall into that especially like you like Nowadays, like, a lot of people are doing a lot more, like, twisty things on, like, fantasy tropes now than maybe they might have been in 2006 or whatever. So, like, I'm yeah, fine. Yeah, hot orc ladies are, are real big. Oh, right yeah, everyone now. loves hot orc ladies. Uh, we all love a hot orc yeah. lady. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, like, uh, Uello's also, like, well, you must have also, like, uh, manipulated the prince. That's why he would have kissed you, because, like, you're, because he's, like... Uh, the implication is, well, you're ugly. He wouldn't have wanted you otherwise. Yeah, um, which is so fucked up. Yeah. Again. Um, Ijori does say, like, I I would have married her. Oh. Um, yeah. And Ivy's like, imprison her! Um, and so they lock uh, Aza in that room, um, and Aza is rightfully having, like, a breakdown. <laughs> um and she remembers the mirror in the room and that has the image of her that is beautiful. And she finds the potion, the beauty potion. She drinks a little bit of it. Um, and she is like consumed with pain. And when she wakes up, she is the vision that she saw in the, in the, in the mirror. She is conventionally beautiful. Um, and because she drank the potion, she can now see the man in the mirror. She can see Skolny. Um, and he is telling her, like, you need to finish the potion or else the beauty will wear off. And I am so glad that Aza did not trust him to, to keep doing drinking. Like, same. Yeah, like, it, they could have, she could have done it, written it as, like, Aza in that moment was feeling so vulnerable that she did finish it. But, like, I am very glad that Aza in that moment was had the sense to be like, eh, maybe I shouldn't. I don't know about this guy, this, this mirror man. I don't know. Um, yeah. But then when people come back, uh, Ivy slaps her. She, like, immediately realizes what Aza did. Um, and Aza is carried off to the dungeons. No one can really explain, like, her sudden change in appearance. Um, but um, she is carted off to the dungeons. Um, but at that moment, like, all of the people, all of the adult grown men in this room are saying, like, oh, she's so beautiful, I can't tear my eyes away from her. Um, Ava's still 15, but sure. Um, yeah, it's real I gross. Yeah. Ivy's trying to say, like, she's too tall. She's, like, trying to criticize uh, still things about Aza, but everyone's saying she's perfect. Like, this is a moment where, this is the Snow White moment where it's, like, there is someone more beautiful than you now. Um, yeah. 
Ivy is like, I thought we were friends, but I'm sending you to the dungeons. Um, and so she is thrown into the dungeons, and everyone's being so creepy. Like the prison guards, like I've never had such a pretty prisoner any before. She's fifteen. Um, she's fifteen. Yeah, she's that's a, a child. Yeah. Um. And uh, but she does manage to get out of the out of the dungeons because there's like. The, the the cage that she's in is, like, falling apart. Like, part of the bars are bending. Um, yeah, it's not very hard for her to escape. Yeah, that's which is fine. Whatever. Um, the guard is so creepy. He's like, I'd let you out if I dared, sweet. I'd unbind your mouth and have a kiss. I'd make you. Oh, that Go away. Ugh. Go away. Fuck that guy. Um... But uh, she manages to sing, like, hum a song to, like, help have him fall asleep. Um, and she manages to grab the keys from him and get out of the cave, out of the dungeons. Um, but as she's trying to get out, she runs into Uju, the, um, the 40 year old guard that Ivy was flirting with. Uh, he, and it turns out he is our huntsman equivalent, um, because yeah. he is, uh, taking, uh, Aza off into the woods. Um, and he is also keeps saying, like, you're so beautiful. It's like, go away. Fuck you. Go away. Leave her alone. This is a child. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, he gives her a horse and they're like riding off. Um, and um, Uju tells her um, that like Ivy had commanded him to take her away. Um, uh, uh, all the hopes that like she Ivy actually wanted to rescue her, but that doesn't seem likely. Um, yeah. And they come across some ogres, um, who, uh, they, like, they hear the ogres, they are coming across them, um, and Aza manages to do, like, a losing to, like, make it sound like there are some people, like, down the hill, and so the ogres turn and go to see that, go to, like, try to capture them and eat them, um, and Aza and Uju manage to make it away. Um, and so this is when Uju tells her that Ivy had told him to kill Aza. Um, and he, oh God, this part was gross. She said you were half ogre. We said, she said we'd all be safer without you. I was going to kill you, but you've grown so beautiful. I stopped believing her. And then Aza yes. thinks like, um, like Aza thinks like sadly, like beauty had saved me. Um, which is like, again, like a very, <laughs> um, like it's just like I love that like it isn't ever a thing where it's like well actually um beauty is not that important and like uh if Ava had just had self-confidence she would have been able she would have been shown everyone that she was beautiful on the inside as well as the outside right the book is like no pretty privilege is real beautiful people get things that other people don't get yeah, there can also be bad parts of it. The way that Aza is objectified when yeah. she is conventionally beautiful is is horrifying, as we have just observed. But she is treated differently, very differently. Yeah, yeah. it's a much more nuanced take about it than you might hope for in like a like a middle grade kind of kids book. You know, like yeah. I'm I'm very happy about that. Um, Me too. And so uh, it's revealed also that to. Uh, like Ivy said she would knight Uju if he killed her. Um, but he's going to like, he wants 
um, Aza to give him a scrap of her her gown so that he can bring it back and like say that I I did kill her to Ivy. Um, and Uju yeah. is taking her to the Gnome Caverns, which Aza realizes like so. Um, the the prediction that Zom made all those years ago is going to come true. Um, yeah, and she says that to Uju, and he's like, "Well, the gnomes told me that I'd be given a centaur." um before my 30th birthday so and i didn't that didn't happen so i don't know about gnomes um uh i also said something here that made me sad um she says when you reach home would you tell prince ajori that one of my cousins ate me oh um they make it to the gnome caverns there's like this weird kind of like a uh, fake wall that Aza manages to figure out how to get through to get into the caverns um, and so, uh, and Aza runs into, into Zom, uh, Zom the gnome, the wonderful little gnome who I love. I love, I love Zom. He's a great character. Yeah. Um, he's excellent. Yeah. And he is the seven dwarves here. Yeah. Well, in general, like the gnomes are the seven The gnomes dwarves. collectively are, but like yeah. he's the main one. So yeah, he's yeah. kind of fulfilling that role as a character. Yeah. yeah. And he's very sweet. He's like, I've missed you. I've missed being at the feather bed. I've missed seeing you. Um, and so um, uh, the way that the, that the like gnome caverns are described is very nice. Like it's almost like um, dwarvish in a way, like kind of the way that uh, dwarvish uh, homes are described in stuff like Lord of the Rings and et cetera, like in like caverns yeah. and underground and stuff. Um like it's described as having a lot of like pink rock and like stalagmites and stalactites and being very beautiful. Um, there's like a lake that has soap in it. It's very good. Um, yes. Uh, Aza is given like a place to stay in the caverns. Um, most of the gnomes do not speak um, Aorthian very well. Azam's kind of the one who can do it best. Um, and so uh, they. Um, unfortunately, when Aza is staying in the caverns, um, the gnomes really only eat like root vegetables. <laughs> um, yeah. So like potatoes, carrots, parsnips. Um, and so um, uh, that Aza is going to get sick of that food very quickly. Um, but also, yeah, she is desperate for yeah. human food. Yeah. Um, but also, Zom says that uh, he had sent. Um, Uju had left back for the castle and they'd given him a centaur to ride back on and he's like, well, the prediction was true. He was just, the, the guy must have just been thinking about his age in gnome years <laughs> instead of human years. Yeah. Uh, Silly. Um, and uh, Zom is very kind to kind to her. He's like, I, you should teach me to make Ostumo. Um, and he, uh, Zom says he'll send a letter to her parents. Um and uh, Ava tells Zom, like, everything that has happened. Um, and Zom has a theory. Uh, like, they, like she tells him about everyone thinking that she was part ogre. And he has a theory. Um, and he shows her, like, a rock that is the same color as her hair. Um, he says, like, what do you see? And he, she says it's black. And then he puts his hand on her and says, now what color is it? And it's a different color. It's, like, a beautiful color um, that, yeah. like it to humans because that we can't see it um and zom says like i don't think you're an ogre at all i think you're part gnome um which um yeah. explains a lot it explains like why her hair is hatoon she is um like kind of 
wider than most humans, he says. You were t- you were taller, but we can't take credit for that part. Um, yeah. And she also finds it very cozy in the gnome caverns, like not like suffocating and et cetera, which like Uju did. Um, and like he says, like, made Azak, are you sorry to be part gnome? And Aza says, no, although gnomes were ugly by human standards, their ugliness was far less repugnant than an ogre's. Not repugnant at all, really. It was a difference, perhaps, between the looks of a cockroach and a grasshopper. Um, so, like, I mean, again, it's like the ogres are ugly and also evil, but like, eh. yeah, yeah, um, it's kind yeah, of contradictory. We at yeah. least have some more nuance here. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, um, we, we. we didn't get all the way there. This was written in 2006 and for children. And so for that yeah. reason, I cut it some slack. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But th- that is still a little bit unfortunate. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I think it's easy in some ways to see this coming from the very first conversation yeah. that Aza and Zom have. It also is a well-executed little yeah, twist yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. It's a it's a it's a well executed reveal. It makes sense. It's set up well, uh, yeah. as it should be. But and also one thing I like is that despite the fact that like we learn this and we also learn about like uh her probably having like very wealthy parents, we never actually learn who her birth parents are. Um right. we learn like um there we at the end they kind of like look through like records and they find like like a noble family at some point that potentially married like a gnome or whatever but like there's no actual like like mom finds a potential ancestor but not the actual parent yeah and i like that because in the end it's not really important because like her like her adoptive parents are her parents and like yeah like it never it never would have been like an important moment for her to like meet her birth parents and so i'm glad that that just wasn't in there you know like, yeah, if that agreed. had been for character to be like hoping to find her birth parents, that would be one thing, but it's never like a thought for her. And so I'm glad it's never like concretely revealed. Um, yeah. So Aza spends some time with the gnomes. She like writes little songs for Zom that uh, make him blush. <laughs> um, and uh, she's getting sick of the food, but um, all the gnomes really love her voice. Um, there are gnomes who start hiring her to like sing at like parties and stuff, and they pay her with like gems because um, the gnomes yeah. have, have like a gem based economy. Um, the conversion rate is um, a lot more money in Aortha. Um, and so yes. she's making a decent amount of money with these little diamonds that they're giving her. Um, so she spends time in. Um, uh, in the gnome caverns, but Zom has another. Other um, asks Zom to look in the future for her again, um, and he does because she wants to know if she's ever going to go home. Um, and he sees said that he saw a vision, and he says, "Well, there is a crossover. There is a crossroads that will probably be able to happen." Um, but I saw you lying on the ground, dead. Uh, I saw you lying on the ground. You didn't stir, and there were people around you, and someone was feeling remorse and gloating, looking at you. Um, yeah. They were in the gnome caverns. Uh, he couldn't tell how much if she was a lot older. Um, but yeah, so there, something is going to happen to her unless there's, again, like a crossroads. Um, yeah. And then mess- Zom goes away on a trip. Yeah. And there's a messenger that yeah. comes to um, uh, br- and brings letters from both uh, also her parents, but also a letter from Ijori from the feather bed. Um, he is immediately like, 
I am so sorry. Like right after this, like the thing and all that learning stuff, I was angry and I wasn't thinking straight, but I like after that, after like the heat of the moment, I really thought about it. And like, you would never have manipulated her. Like, of course, Ivy was the one who threatened you. Um, and he also says, uh, I hope the change in your appearance was not forced on you too. Paradoxically, I also hope you didn't choose it. I never thought you ugly. I should have told you long ago. No one has eyes like yours or an aroma like yours. I look, loved you from this. I love the size of you from the first. Um, just nice. Um, yeah, super yeah. cute. Yeah. Um, and, but she's like, now that I was beautiful, I didn't want to believe he'd never thought me ugly, but perhaps it was true. Um, which is, I, again, like the way that Aza thinks about herself is so, I mean, okay. So I'm going to get a little bit personal here. Um, I have a lot of like issues with body dysmorphia and dysphoria and et cetera. Um, and I, I mean, I think part of the reason I read this book so much as a kid as well is I related a lot to Aza in with a lot of this stuff. Um, and like the way that it's portrayed here is like, feels so accurate where it's like kind of people like thinking about this stuff about yourself, finding people who don't agree and that not fully convincing you, but like kind of starting to turn your thoughts a little bit where she's, where she's, she's like, I don't get why he thinks I'm beautiful, but he believes it and I trust him. So there must be something to what he's saying and that kind of helping. I, I think that the way that that's portrayed in this book is so well done. And I really, I, I appreciate it even more like now than rereading it as an adult, like the, the like nuance of the way that Aza thinks in that sort of sense. Yeah, absolutely. That's um, yeah, yeah. Not something that I related to as much, I think as a kid, but something that I appreciate so much now yeah. as an adult reading yeah. it. I'm like, wow, this this is so it it feels so sensitively done and yeah. so like genuine and it's like like understanding and compassion for this character who just struggles so much with her body image and like the yeah. way that she is perceived in society and the way that she perceives herself and how that creates this like horrible thing inside of her that is so hard to deal with and but also there's a letter from her parents and that like guards had come to the feather bed and were like, did you ever see her as an ogre? And they said, absolutely not. She is our beautiful, wonderful daughter who we love so much. Fuck you. Go away. Uh, which is yeah. great. Um, and her father says like, we didn't need your note or a prince's visit to know, tell us you've done nothing wrong. Um, we fear for your future, but never for your character. Oh, I love her parents so much. It's all so sweet. They're I love so Good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so Aza writes him a letter back, but in song. Um, and she's like, it's a very like loving letter as well. Um, to Jory and to her parents. Um, she spent she spends at least a month here in the gnome caverns. Uh, she turns sixteen while she's there. Um, and uh, she does witness um gnomish court. Which this whole seed was so interesting to me. Um, yeah, the, like gnomish court, which Zom is basically like judge. It seems like, um, and there's like a, a case brought in front of him where um, one gnome stole another gnome's shovel, 
And what he does is he looks into the future and what he tells Aza afterwards is that there was no potential future where the the gnome who stole the shovel didn't benefit from it and the gnome who um, lost the shovel didn't um, get hurt by it. And so they let the other gnome have the shovel. Um, and Aza doesn't like this system of judgment because... Yeah, um, she's like... Stealing is wrong, therefore there should be consequences for it. Yeah. Is her human morality about that? Yeah. And that's um, just not how the gnomes operate at all. Yeah. And but also uh, one thing that Aza says is like if Zom were to judge Ivy for her crimes, he might foresee that my future and Aortha's future and Ivy's future conduct as well would be better if she weren't punished, then he wouldn't punish her. Um, like it's right. completely understandable that like even in, even it's kind of a cold, kind of impersonal way to do that judgment. Where it's like, even if he is right, and this is what will ultimately create the best situation, like, in the moment, in the heat of the moment, the other gnome is thinking, he stole my fucking shovel and he's going to get away with it. Like, it hurts. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, that whole thing was very cool. I like, again, it's a nice world world building thing. I always appreciate stuff like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Zom is leaving, and he says, like, I'm going to bring you back some human food. Don't worry about it. Um, but when he gets back, Aza wants to give him a gift. So she, like, goes to the gnomish markets, and there is a peddler there, a, a, a gnomish woman who has um, human food. She has, like, apples and bread and cheese, um, and Aza can't help it. She has to buy it. So, yeah, um, Aza buys that food. Um, from this gnomish woman uh the gnomish woman is like you need to pay me two diamond pebbles and i was like she's that's too much she's robbing me but i need to i need the food um and so she she doesn't even like apples but she's like i i still need to eat it um uh, but of course yeah. the apple much as uh snow white does uh the apple is poisoned um yep this gnomish woman quote unquote has poisoned her she, she, like, falls to the ground. She is still breathing, but, like, barely. Um, and yeah. then, okay, this whole part is very surreal and strange. In some ways, I like it. In some ways, it's just too odd for me. Um, it's very strange. She ends yeah. up inside the magic mirror. Yeah. Like, she feels, she, like, sees herself <laughs> being pulled, like, across the landscape into the mirror. Um, and she's in this, like room like with Skolny the guy the guy in the mirror um and he uh is like hey welcome to the mirror um and what he tells her is that he is cursed to be in this mirror but when like someone who he has helped someone who has drunk his potions dies they are brought into the mirror for a bit so he can go on vacation <laughs> Um, yeah. and then after he comes back, they move on for real. Um, and so they're like, just in this room, there's like a door that Aza can't open because she's technically like a ghost. Like she can't move anything. Um, and uh, uh, like Aza realizes, cause like there was like, kind of a, a story at the feather bed that like generations ago, there was this guy named Master Ikulni, um, who had stayed there. And when he stayed there, all the all the mirrors shattered and all the money he paid them melted after he left. And it's like, oh, it's that guy. <laughs> um, yeah. Skolny is like, this is a this is an evil little guy right here. 
Um, oh yeah, he's so nasty. Yeah. He tells her, like, his disguises potion had turned Ivy into a gnome. She was the one who gave him the stuff. Um, and he shows um, Aza the scene of when he was given to Ivy, um, where she was, like, like kind of paler and pimply, and she had, like, frown lines and stuff. Um, she was pretty, but not, again, like, not gorgeous. Lucinda shows up! Our good friend Lucinda, who ruins everything. Um, yeah. I love how Lucinda is, like, low-key the villain of both of these books, but yeah. also not. Like, yeah. she's not the main antagonist in either of them, but she is kind of the cause of the uh, and all magic-related problems. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I, and so what Ivy, uh, Lucinda is going to give her, wants to give her a gift, but Ivy says, like, I wish I was as beautiful as you. And so Lucinda's like, I'm going to give you the mirror again. This is your, th- this is my thing that I give to people when they, um, when they want to be beautiful. And, um, and then there's like a pre-recorded message from Lucinda <laughs> to, yeah. uh, to Aza, like a, like a video she does. Um, and she explains the like, um, you lived to a happy life. Uh, you live to a beautiful old age, and it's like, nope. Um, nope. This is a 15-year-old. Yeah, the idea Lucinda had, I guess, was that um, some, like the drinkers of Skolny's potions would die, and like of old age, like live a happy, natural life, and that they would go into the mirror and give him a vacation, and everyone wins. But Skolny's thinking, like, well, I'm just going to manipulate people to kill each other, and then I get as many vacations as I want. Um, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, he is, he is very smart. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And yeah, Lucinda absolutely. has, like, no awareness, no social awareness, uh, very little empathy. And so, of course, this is what happened. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and so, Skolny's like, I'm going to leave for my, vac- my vacation. Bye. But he also can't open the door. Um, and he thinks it's because Aza didn't finish the potion, but really it's because she thinks that she's still alive. Like, she can still feel her body yeah. back there breathing. Um. Ivy comes back and looks into the mirror. Um, Skolny had said, like, well, I'm going to have to convince someone, uh, Ivy, to do something that will get her killed if you're not going to die. And so I'm going to make her kill someone. Um, Maybe she'll kill Uju or the king, maybe even the prince. And Oz is like, don't don't make her do any of that. Um, And so they want to... um, so he's like, I'm going to gonna get her killed. Um, give her some shitty advice, because he's the advisor that Abby was always talking about. Um, yeah. And so Aza has to just wait in this freaking mirror um, until Ivy comes back. Um, uh, so Skolny has this, like, chair that's right in front of, like, the egg, like the mirror, the, like, one-way mirror. Um, and it, um, uh, and it can, like, show you visions of things. And so... Skolny's like, if you sing to me until morning, um, I will let you sit in the chair for a bit. Um, and so she does. And then she says, can you let me sit in the chair? chair? And he says, well, I lied to you. Fuck you. <laughs> um, nope. And so Ivy uh, comes back. Ivy's like, oh, I, I did. I guess I did kill her. I used to like her when she was ugly. Uh, um. And Skolny's like, you did kill her. You're you're once again the fairest of them all. And she's like, I loved my poor oaf. Fuck you. Um, I hate her. Yeah. Um, 
and but like also Skolny is very clearly manipulating her as well. Um, like he says, like she he says, I'll always be faithful. Um, and she says, yes, because you worship at my face. Like clearly, that's what he had told her. Um, yeah, very manipulative. Um, and so um, Skolny is starting to convince her to kill Uju um, because like um, he knows that um, Ivy had wanted to kill Aza. Um, and uh, Aza tries to yell, but uh, Ivy can't hear her. She can only hear who's sitting in the mirror. But Aza realizes, oh shit. And she loses her voice to where Skolny is. And Ivy yeah. can hear her. Um, and so um, Ivy, and Aza also realizes when she's singing, she has like a, a more solid body in the mirror and she manages to push Skolny out of the chair. Um, and so she's talking to Ivy and shows her that she's there and um, shows her the beautiful face and says, I'm still beautiful. And Aza, uh, Ivy throws the mirror to the ground and she stamps on it. She tries to smash it. Um, she's trying to break the mirror. Um, and uh, <laughs> she says, Aza, after you died, you went to the mirror with Skolny. Um, and Ivy says, if I kill myself, will I be with you too? Um, then I'll do it. Skolny wants me, not you. So, like, she's about uh, to kill Like, uh, this is a very toxic situation that Skolny has put her in. Um, and Aza starts pounding on the mirror from the inside um, and manages to break the mirror. Um, and then for a second, I've, Aza and Skolny are, like, standing on the, the va- like, the desk. Very small. Um, yeah, which is so strange, but then like, cause you imagine it's like a metaphysical sort of thing. You don't think they're actually tiny and in the mirror. Um, but like right. right after that, she ends up being pulled back into her body. Um, as she's going back into her body, she sees that her body has changed back. She's no longer the, the, the beautiful form. Um, and the, she is, there's it's like pounded on her back. The apple pot like is coughed out of her mouth and she's alive. Um, Luckily, Ajori did the um, did normal CPR instead of kissing her. Uh, yes, yeah, he just dislodged the the apple piece. Yeah. Um. So when she uh, wakes wakes up, it turns out Ajori had come to the gnome caverns. Ajori is going back to the castle to like reveal what Ivy had done, and Aza wants to go with her. Um. And she's and because it because the king's uh, condition is improving, and so Ajori thinks he can tell the king like what happened, and that there can actually be some reasonable like stuff going on. Um, yeah. Ajori and Aza start riding off to the castle, and so um, they're like like riding together and like sitting under the stars, and they're sweet and in love. Yeah, um, they're adorable. Yeah, he says, "I was sorry when you became beautiful in a commonplace way," which is. Like, very much, like, good. Like, it's a good way to say it. Um, yeah, that's a real good sentiment there. Um, but uh, when they get back, the king uh, is still not doing well. And they think that he is pining for the queen, um, but she doesn't want to see him. And when they, uh, when uh, so Aza goes to get Ivy, and uh, Ivy doesn't want to open the door, but she says, it's Aza, I'm no longer beautiful. Um, and so then Ivy opens the door for her. 
Ava ends up lying to Ivy and says that like Skolny loved you. He cared about you. Um, he was, you were his favorite um, to try to comfort Ivy. Um, and, so, but Ivy's like, nobody actually loves me. And um, because Ivy's beauty, quote unquote beauty has faded now that all, again, also as Skolny has been destroyed. Um, she looks how she did before. Um, and she says, uh, Aza, I'm so glad you didn't didn't die. We can be friends again. I know more ways to fix your hair. Uh, and uh, and Aza's just like smile, like grimacing, like sure, sure, bud. Yeah. We should go see the king. Um, and so her presence like helps the king recover. He is waking up. Uh, king Oscaro is improving. The first words he says are, "My dear, beautiful love to Ivy." Exactly what she'd wanted to hear. Um, and so. Uh, I, Aza is brought before the king, um, and she explains what happens. Uh, uh, she explains what happened, um, and the Oscaro is trying to decide like what will happen to Ivy. Um, he says, I, "I won't do anything to her. She she saved my life, and I'm in love with her. Like her talking to me when I was uh, comatose, like guided me to the light. Um, like I'm not gonna punish her, like kill her or anything, but I need her to." not have anything to do with the orphan politics anymore. Um, Uelo says, apologizes to Aza and says, I should have known by your marvelous voice that you couldn't be evil. And uh, Aza says, voices and faces aren't manifestations of good or bad. Good. Uh, she got it. Um, yeah, finally. And Ijori uh, proposes to Aza. Again, very young. Uh, like like an Ella Enchanted, but that's just how these books are. Yeah. It's fine. Um, yeah, it is what it is. I cannot imagine being currently married to the person I was dating at 15 or 16 or 19, for that matter. But, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, because of the nature of these stories, we just kind of buy it. Yeah, yeah, sure. She's like, I would marry you right now in this moment. Um and so she, uh, there's a thing being called to say goodbye to Ivy. Um, she is being sent to like, like a summer palace of Aortha. Like she's actually going back to Kyria, um, where the king is going to be staying with her because uh, he is going to abdicate the throne soon and give it to Ajori. Um, Aza is like getting dressed to go to this thing. She looks at herself in the mirror and thinks, ugly. And then, can a dragon judge a stumo? And she realizes, like, I'm the my harshest critic. I, I, I no, she, yeah. she doesn't say that she's her harshest critic. She says I was as hard on myself as my worst critics, which is the right way to say it. Because, like, saying yeah. that she's her hardest critic is untrue. Like, um, so I, I really, I'm really glad that it was phrased like that. Um, yeah. And so at this thing, um, Ivy is being sent out of the country she does sing a little song in like her very weak not great voice but and the the people of aortha clearly don't forgive her but they're glad that she's just like being honest um and then suddenly um aza's family shows up um and it turns out ajori wanted to the confuse lucinda didn't want lucinda showing up surprise wedding um and they get married and yes. we get a little epilogue like we did for Ella, Ella Enchanted. Um, 
we learned that Areta moves to the castle and like apprentices herself to a physician. And she was also always a close friend of the Kyrian ruler, Ella of Frel. Love that. Um, yes. The Duchess moves to the castle, brings all her cats. Um, th- there are a lot of cats um, living in the castle now, as well as birds. Um, Uchu lived to a great age and was the best friend of each of our three children. Uh, so they had three kids. Um, so, and Ada also says, I didn't try to change my appearance again, but fashions and beauty changed, and perhaps my ascension to royalty hastened the alteration. Pulpy cheeks never became the rage, but my complexion became to be called vivid. My size became stately. Only Ajori deemed me a beauty, but I was considered handsome. Which is just interesting. It's funny. Because um, beauty standards yeah. do change, but it's also like, of course, the, the beauty standards changed because they wanted to think that the queen, that they supported the queen. <laughs> um yeah which is like wholesome and also awful like you know the 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 fickleness of how like a a body shape can be fashionable or unfashionable and like just the way that people are are constructed naturally is like so judged uh but so it goes in society yeah Okay, so we've been going for over two hours at this point, so we should wrap it up, because that's the end. Happily Ever After. We love to see it. Happily um, Ever After. We love to see it. Exactly. Yeah. So as an adaptation of Snow White, I really like it, because um, it gets into like some of the ideas of beauty in the original story, and like really kind of confronts them. Where like Whereas Ella Enchanted was kind of its own story with some cinderella elements incorporated um it didn't really like challenge the cinderella fairy tale in any way um right it was just like here is the cinderella framework and we're going to tell an original story within it and this was actively taking the themes of snow white and interrogating them and engaging with them yeah absolutely I definitely, I, this is a very good companion to Ella Enchanted. And I suggest if you've read Ella Enchanted and not Fairest, I, I suggest reading it because it yeah. definitely feels like it was written after it was written when the author was thinking about some of the things she wrote in Ella Enchanted and wanting to kind of interrogate her, the way that she wrote things and like expanding on ideas that she wrote. It feels very much like a, like a book written by an author reading back her book that became very popular and that people liked and and thinking, I like that part, but I'm interested in like going into more depth on what I meant by this or like challenging what I said there. And I, I love that as like someone who has made a lot of like, who has wrote a lot of stuff over the years. Like one thing I always do is like, I like, I will look back on something I made in like 2016 and I'll be like, the way I wrote that was kind of problematic. And so I kind of try to, um do a riff on it or like a change of it in something i write later i mean i might cut this out i probably will but um in sure in 12th grade um there was the bit at the end where Oren is starting to think that maybe he's bisexual um and he's talking with drew and drew has the alternate motive of i have i'm really into him and i think that he should kiss boys so he maybe he could kiss me at some point where he says, yeah. I mean, you can't really know if you're bisexual, like you should maybe try experimenting, um, which kind of makes sense for Drew in that moment. But also it's like a bad way to write like bisexuality in general that like you can't know unless you're experimenting and like actually kissing right. boys and girls in order to know that you're bi. 
Um, like right, I, I, plenty of people have never kissed anyone and know that they're yeah. bi and that's like totally still. Yeah. And so that was something I was thinking about when, uh, more recently in public history, I was writing, uh, David and I was yeah. at the whole confrontation with Dora where, uh, he has come out as bisexual and makes her very insecure. And she's like insisting that he must be wanting to like be with boys and must be wanting to experiment um and like not loyal to her because um he's never been with a guy and so um it's like making her insecure and thinking that she's he's gonna leave her for a guy um and so that was kind of like my um dora was kind of echoing the same sentiment sort of that drew had but in the like the twisted bad way that you could frame that rather than like this kind of selfish uh if you want to kiss boys hey (laughs) um yeah sense um so like yeah that's that's like an example of like something i feel like a lot of writers try to do and it's very clear that uh levine wanted to do that here i i really like this book again like i don't think it's as well structured as ella enchanted i don't think it's as strong like as a book but it has so much that i really like and i think i still i still prefer it to ella enchanted like it is again like the one i want to reread more um yeah, yeah, I think it's doing a lot more thematically. And I think, like I said, I appreciate it a lot more now than I used to because I see what it's doing and I'm not just reading it as like how it represents me, you know, and like how much I personally do or do not relate to the main character, mm-hmm. which I think yeah. was my hang up about it as a kid. So, I, yeah, we should wrap this up because we've been going for a very long time. Um, we don't know what we're doing next week. We'll figure it out. Just wait. Uh, yeah. <laughs> And uh, so you can follow the podcast um, on Twitter or I guess, hey, Twitter um, uh, at uh, It's Super Impod. Um, you can um, follow us on Instagram as well as at It's Super Impod. I'm on Blue Sky. I got a friend to give me a Blue Sky code. Um, oh, and nice. So- I'm rainy day jewels on there and I've been posting some links to the episodes there. Um, it gives you like a new code every two weeks. So um, I might like use one of those codes to make like a dedicated it's super important account. We'll see. Um, That's a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. So um, yeah. Cause Twitter is kind of. It's Twitter yikes. now. Remember it's, it's Twitter. <laughs> um, yeah. It's Twitter. <laughs> all right. So thank you so much for listening. We will talk to you guys next time. Bye. Bye.